Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. <laughs> Gone with that mic in your hand. It's time for school. Rock school with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. I have said before on the show that I can work Van Halen into a muffin recipe. Do it. Why was Eddie Van Halen on Beat It? Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show here on the Rock School Radio Network. My name is Joe Burns. You are? Tammy Burns. <laughs> Were you equaling me? Tammy, Tammy Burns. Burns. Trying. The problem is uh, every time you are as a disc jockey, somebody does an imitation of you, mm-hmm. all of a sudden they do what's known as blapping. They go like this. I Every couldn't s- do that if I had to. You did. You just blapped. I did? Hey, 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 you start to blap. Joe Burns. Right, that's blapping. Okay. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, I had a a woman at the grocery store one time. I was talking to her, and she goes, oh, you have a voice that sounds like it's for radio. So I told her it was 20 minutes past the big hour, 5 o'clock, and we're rocking the docks. She called security. (laughs) Getting Ah. on to the topic of today, a weird collaboration happened. In April of this year, Guns N' Roses were playing a concert, and they brought out, of all people, to sing Sweet Child of Mine and Paradise City, Carrie Underwood, the country star. Get out. Now, doesn't that seem an odd collaboration? Oh, my gosh. And and there's many songs where you'll hear that it is these two musicians who collaborate, Mm -hmm. and then, why? Why would you put these two people together? Never. never. I, I don't understand it. I, I know today it's common knowledge, but back when Run DMC sang Walk This Way with Aerosmith, yeah. that was people going, why? Now, it turned out to be a great thing. But still, when I started looking into songs that had these weird collaborations, once you get the story behind it, you kind of go, oh, uh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Why did Carrie Underwood sing with Guns N' Roses? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. Back in 2015, she was being interviewed on E! And she said that I learned how to sing listening to Guns N' Roses. He, you know, Axl Rose mm-hmm. and my voice are equal. Same thing with Freddie Mercury. I learned to sing, to hit pitches, to what have you, listening to Guns N' Roses. And they said, well, maybe you should sing with them. And, oh, that'd be great. And what was that, 2015? So what's that, seven years ago? Yeah. It just so happened that finally they were both in the same town and the Guns N' Roses people said, come on out. Wow. That's the reason for it. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about weird collaborations and then... Why? Why would you do this? It's live. It is Guns N' Roses. Carrie Underwood here on Rock School.
right, coming out of live Guns N' Roses along with Carrie Underwood, I have said before on the show that I can work Van Halen into a muffin recipe. Do it. Why was Eddie Van Halen on Beat It? Steve Lukather. When you listen to the song Beat It, Steve Lukather, the guitarist for Toto, was doing the session work for Quincy Jones. Mm -hmm. And he said to Michael Jackson that he was a friend of Eddie Van Halen's. And Michael said, and the quote goes something like, I really like the high fast stuff he does. Do you think he'd play on this? Now, it wasn't odd at the time for there to be these heavy distorted guitars. There was a band called Shalimar that put this weird guitar in there. There was a time the Carpenters sang a song and they stuck this distorted guitar in there. Mm -hmm. So this wasn't a weird thing. And Lukather said, you know, if you want, give him a call. So Lukather gave the phone number of Eddie Van Halen to Quincy Jones. The story goes that Quincy Jones called him three times because the first two times Eddie said, yeah, right, I'm sure you're, you're Quincy Jones, click. <laughs> and finally he called him a third time, don't hang up, I swear it's me. So Eddie didn't want to do it. So what he did was create, he, wanted, he priced himself out of the market. Ooh. He said, well, you're going to have to get somebody over here. You're going to have to pick up all of my equipment. You're going to have to take it where it is, and then you have to fly me there, and I can only stay for an hour and all that. And he set up all these regulations right? that Parameters. no one would ever pay for. You're dealing with Michael Jackson. Ooh. He takes a bath like Scrooge McDuck yes. you know, in coins. So <laughs> Eddie Van Halen's picked up, taken out to the studio, and there is all of his gear. They rolled tape, he blew two solos, and that was it. They took the second one. Ooh. That's how it wow. came together. So it seems odd, but once you sort of put the the things together, huzzah. Do you know there's a song by Def Leppard and Tim McGraw called Nine Lives? No. Now, you'd think Tim McGraw, he's like a country superstar hunky dude. He's married to the tall blonde, right? Yes. Here's the reason. Tim McGraw's tour manager is Robert Allen. It is Def Leppard's drummer, Rick Allen's brother. Ah, there you go. And Def Leppard was playing the Sparkle Lounge. And what happened was, earlier in 2006, McGraw went to see them play. And because of that, brought him upstage and he sang Pour Some Sugar On Me. And the the band, Def Leppard, looked at him and went, you're pretty good. We should sing a song together. That's how it came to be. So once you connect the dots, country and rock and roll, it's been done all the time. But sometimes it seems like you shoved it in sideways with a shoehorn. Nine lives here on Rockstore.
Coming out of Nine Lives, Def Leppard, Tim McGraw. Let's talk about David Lee Roth and Travis Tritt. How about that for a weird what? pairing? I, like I said, again, I can work Van Halen into a muffin recipe. There's an album by David Lee Roth called Your Filthy Little Mouth, and on it is the Cheating Heart Cafe, and it's a country song. There's no two ways about it. No two ways about it. And he, David Lee Roth, said, you know, we should put a country guy on this. Well, at the time, Travis Tritt, who really is, he's one of these guys who, yes, he sings country, but he has no trouble becoming a rock star. Right. He has a song called Trouble. It's actually my go-to song when I sing karaoke. <laughs> uh, he, Travis Tritt, had done collaborations with Marty Stewart and Little Feet, and Dave said, that's the guy. Go get him. And there's a, right at the beginning of the song, the two of them talk to each other. It's not a bad tune. Here, let me play the beginning where they talk to each other and a little bit of the song. Go. David, maybe you can help me without uh, going back and listening to the lyrics. Sure. What's up, Travis? You know what? Do we want to do everything in unison? <clears throat> or do you want, to, you want to swap back and forth? Well, how about if I take the first two lines and then you take the next two and we just rock on from there? There you go. Eh. I know it's not one of his betters. Eh. It's not one of his betters. Shouldn't have done that. I'll tell you another one that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, do you think this is an odd pairing? Meatloaf and Cher. Meatloaf and Cher. Does that bother you as a pairing? Oh gosh, I can't even. I can't even imagine. That's. I kind of felt the same way. It didn't make me go ew, but it also made me go. What? Didn't make me go off. Uh, 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 song was written by Jim Steinman, and Steinman said it's simply that at the time, Bat Out of Hell was just coming down, and Meatloaf was the biggest thing around in, in multiple ways. Share mm -hmm. was the biggest thing around. So they shoved them both into a, a room and had them sing, and they did a video, and it, it just flopped. Oh. It didn't work. It's one of those things that, gosh, I love mustard. Gosh, I love vanilla ice cream. But you shouldn't put them together. Ooh. And when you hear it, yes. it's it's one of those ethereal things that you go, there's this idea called chemistry. Mm -hmm. And when you listen to it, nah. And I think even they understood it because outside of the outside of the video, right. they have never performed the song together live. I don't think I've ever Period. heard of it. Haven't you? No. All right, here you go. Meet Loaf and Share, Dead Ringer for Love, here on Rock School. Okay, coming into the first break, obviously we can't play any of these songs, but let's talk about a few of these pairings that when I was looking at all the websites, they were saying, here are odd pairings of people, and I remember looking at them and going, I don't think that's odd. So let me throw a few out to you. Do it. Alice Cooper and Insane Clown Posse. No, not odd. I don't either. They're, they both wear makeup. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, Cooper is dramatically better. But it's not odd sticking him in with the insane clown posse. Right. Which is, I mean, they're a show. 
I remember somebody, when Lady Gaga was coming out in meat dresses and all of that, uh, one woman said to me, what's wrong with that woman? I said, nothing. It's a show. Theatrics. She doesn't wake up with three cats on her head in the morning. This no. is a show. That's what it is with Insane Clown Posse. It's a show. Alice Cooper freely admits it's a show. Andrea Botticelli and Dua Lupa. It's odd, but I understand somebody like Dua Lupa who sings poppy songs mm-hmm. wanting to expand and say, hey, look, I really am a good singer. And you've got the same thing with, where is it on here? Where is it on here? I know I have it. Oh, Freddie Mercury and the Spanish opera star Montserrat Caballé. Mm-hmm. If any rock star is going to be able to sing the tenor part, it's going to be Freddie Mercury. Yeah, that, that, that one, doesn't bother me. No, that one makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't. Dua Lupa doesn't bother me either. Uh, Beyonce and the Dixie Chicks. Uh, oh, really? They had a why? song called Daddy Lessons. Why? And is it that you don't like the Dixie Chicks? No, I like them. Yeah. No, I. they both seem I, diva-ish. Yeah. It makes sense to me. Uh, yeah. David Bowie and Bing Crosby. Yeah. It's yeah. The, the little drummer boy. Yeah. You know, those Christmas uh, shows, mm-hmm. they still do them today. Let's get the B-level people. And, you know, the, my buddy Steve, who was a roadie for years at mm-hmm. this one venue, he said it was always the bands coming up or the bands coming down. And he said the bands coming down were always the nicer people. They understood <laughs> what was going on. Oh, my Bing, gosh. Bing Crosby was coming down and David Bowie was there. And yeah. I'm sure it's one of those things. I, I think a lot of these collaborations... I think that the the fraternity mm-hmm. of people who have made it in this business yeah. is so small that it's only them who have experienced this thing. So they're passing the torch. Is that what you're saying? If not passing the torch, they understand each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, I think you're you're reading way too much into this. Oh, really? This. You think so? Oh, yeah. You're full of it. Yeah. Lady Gaga and Tony Bennett. Yeah. That one, I thought that one was beautiful. I kind of went, eh, at the beginning of it, and then I heard her do Lady is a Tramp. Yeah. She's, she's beautiful. Oh, she is. She is one of those, she can pull off that 1940s woman who, in the long dress, who's just a little dirty and only shows you this much of Ankle. it. You know what I mean? Ankle. The, the, what's that, that line from the movie? You know how to whistle, don't you? Put your lips in a circle and blow. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> That's nice. Well, why didn't everybody just get naked? Didn't have to. Right? Didn't have to. Go ahead. Who's listening to us? K-H-N-S, Skagway, Alaska. Hot dog. Back in a minute here on Rock School. All right, coming out of the break, Aerosmith and Run DMC, how did that come together? Now, what most people say was Rick Rubin did it. Mm-hmm. Rick Rubin contacted Aerosmith. Now, look, Aerosmith at the time was on the outs. They they weren't putting out hits. They had had a, a, an album that just didn't work. And a lot of people say that it was this record that pulled the two bands up to massive status. In the rap community, Run DMC was somebody to be feared, but not totally. Right. And then, boom, they showed up and the hits, you know, really started coming. Right. So how did it come together? 
Rick Rubin, yes, was doing a collaboration with Run DMC, and while Run and DMC, the two rappers in the group, Jam Master J was the one who spun the records, when they would warm their voices up, they would rap Walk This Way. And Rubin said, do you want to actually do that song? Uh-huh. And somewhere along the way, somebody said, wouldn't it be great if we could actually do it with Aerosmith? So Rick Rubin called the person who was managing him at the time named Tim Collins and said, I got a band that warms up to walk this way. It's a rap band and they want to do a collaboration. And apparently Tim Collins said, that's great. What's rap? It was that early in the game. He didn't know. Wow. A deal was set up real quick. They just said, anything that's made, cut it down the middle. We'll take half, you take half. See what happens? See what happens when you play fair, kids? All right, we got to play one. Allison Krauss and Robert Plant. Why would you shove them together? I wouldn't. No, they're both great. I love mustard. I love vanilla ice Uh cream. Why? How'd they get together? The relationship started in the 1980s. The duo first sang together just sitting backstage. Plant, she was in the room, Uh brought up a record of the Stanley Brothers. And Krause said, oh, I know that album. And Plant looked at her like, really? She goes, oh, yeah, I grew up listening to that. And conversation, 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 and... I ain't doing anything. You doing anything? Nope. Let's go tour. And now the whole world wants to see it. That's where it comes from. Wow. Robert Plant, Allison Krauss, Gone, 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 here on Rock School. Coming into the bottom of the hour, how about this one? Alice in Chains and Elton John. Elton John also did something with Eminem, mm-hmm. but the one I thought was kind of... I don't know why the Eminem one seems to fit right. to me, but the Alice in Chains was odd. It's called Black Gives Way to Blue. What it was was frontman Lane Staley had already died. Died back in 2002. And the band was in Vegas doing some recording, and so was Elton John doing his stand called the Red Piano Concerts. Mm-hmm. Cantrell finished the track and said, this needs a piano. This needs a piano. And as a joke, somebody said, well, you know, Elton John's on the strip. Every time we come down here, I see his face 50 feet high. Right. Why don't you call Elton John? So they did. And Elton said, yeah. I can come down and do it. Oh my god. It's that simple. I every so often I'll take people and I will go and record at Studio in the Country. Uh-huh. One of the premier studios in the United States here in Louisiana, Studio in the Country. Just if you don't know, look it up and just look at the records that were recorded there. Right. Blah. So I, I'm thinking, I want to do some recording with some friends. I want to go to a real studio. So I simply looked up recording studios in Louisiana and up first came Studio in the Country. And I just went, I said to myself, no, no way. So I called a number. And the secretary picked up, studio in the country. Hi, um, I'd like to come in, and I'm nobody famous, but I'd like to come in and do some recording. Okay, what day do you want to come? We'll see you for free. What? 
yeah, it's a hundred bucks an hour, and there's a little bit money additional for this person. And I went, okay, that that works. And we got in our cars and we went to studio in the country. See, I, see what money will do. Well, it's not just money; it's the idea of are you kidding me? I can do this. I keep going back to the story that Frank Zappa recorded with the London Symphony Orchestra, uh-huh. and David, not David Lerothia, uh, David Letterman, said to him, "How did you get it?" And he said, "I pay them." Right. It's a band. That's it. When they're not performing, you can buy their services. No, right. you can't. No. Not no, me. Not no, not you. Slow down, mister. Bottom of the hour. I'm Joe Burns. I'm you Tammy are. Burns. Here are them, their dates. July 25th all the way through July 31st. You got Monday, Tammy. Do it. July 25th, 1965. Bob Dylan goes electric at the Newport Folk Festival. I'm, I'm going to do a show on that. How upset were the uh, folk? That's the thing. What about bands who have changed their sound to the point where it upset fans? Huh. That's that's what I'm thinking about putting together. July 26, 2000, Napster is finally shut down by a federal judge. July 27, 1984, Purple Rain, starring Prince, opens in theaters. It was, it was excellent. Oh, but I loved it. That followed wasn't, but that first one, bango. July 28, 1995, after years of lawsuits, James Hendricks, father of Jimmy, is granted ownership of his son's likeness and name. July 29, 2015, the Eagles played their final concert with Glenn Fry in Bossier, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. He will die six months later. July 30th, 2011, U2 wraps up the 360, store, 360 tour, which is still the most successful tour financially ever put together. And then finally, July 31, 1969, Elvis Presley begins his 57-show stand in Vegas. That's the one in the the jumpsuits with the yeah and with the big capes and all the bedazzling oh yeah he did 57 shows it made him 1.5 million dollars anthrax and public enemy well number one when it came out it didn't seem odd because run dmc had already done this with aerosmith Mm -hmm. and other bands were looking to do this Okay, fine. Public Enemy had already done the song Bring the Noise on their 1988 album It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back. Scott Ian, who is really the leader of Anthrax, said, We need to do Bring the Noise. Uh And Chuck D said, No. Mm. So Ian re-recorded it and re-recorded it, recorded it with him rapping. And apparently Chuck D went, Look, stop bothering me. (laughs) <laughs> don't ever rap again and he raps in the song and we'll do it so they did it and maybe it was the wave that run dmc and aerosmith had created right but it became a monster hit which was interesting because both were magnificently popular mm-hmm. and they toured together and what was funny is headbanging audiences completely accepted public enemy and rap audiences completely accepted this idea of a headbanging band. Goodness. And my, it's the thing that I've said a million times. I get it. NWA is a rap band. No, they're not. They're a rock band. They are, they're a rock band. I, you, can, you can say to me all day long, no, they do rap. Yes, you're right. They're a rock band. 
Absolutely. Boy, that are you power, asking for it. That pressure. N.W.A. is a rock band. But that's not who we're talking about. Bring the noise, Anthrax. Public Enemy. Bass! How low can you go here on Rock School? Yeah, Bass! How low can you go? Death Row! What a brother know once again back is the incredible rhyme animal, the uncannibal thief! Public Enemy number one, my folks said freeze! And I got numb, can I tell them never really never had a gun? But it's the wax that's determined in the X1. Coming into the second break, what did you think about Billy Ray Cyrus and Little Nas X, Old Town Road? Uh, it's fine. It kind of it kind of seems yeah, it's good. It's it's okay. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. It's a very simple song, very easy to sing. But I think what made it a hit wasn't the combination of country and hip hop for this unique sound, because that had been done. I can't tell you how many times before. What is it? The Georgia, Florida state line? Georgia, oh, yeah. Some say. They, they had rap artists in all the time. So this genre was out there. Mm-hmm. I think what did it was the fact that it went to number one on Billboard's country music chart. Yeah. And Billboard denied it. Oh. <gasps> saying it's not country. Denial. And once it got denied, the whole world turned around and went, hey, 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 shut up. Yeah. And it went to number one on not only the country chart, but all the way up on the uh, Hot 100 chart. Yeah. Michael Jackson, Paul McCartney, say, say, say. Now, look, they had already collaborated one time before, and that was for The Doggone Girl Is Mine, Mm -hmm. which was so sappy and gross. Mm-hmm. That I I know it was a hit, but it's Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson could have read the phone book yeah. and had a hit. Say, Say, Say was actually one of about eight songs they wrote together. But the thing about Say, Say, Say is that that was the time when Michael Jackson said to Paul McCartney, I'm concerned about my money. Uh-huh. It's just sitting in piles right? in a bank. What, what should I be doing? Sir Paul. And Paul said, you know what really works and how I do it? You got to buy music catalogs mm-hmm. and then license it to to videos, to movies, to what have you. And Paul went, buy whatever you want. And Michael went, how about the Beatles? Wish he'd never said that. Yeah, I can imagine. Here's another one that seemed to be trying to work off of... The Run DMC thing. Uh-huh. Lincoln Park did a song with Jay Z called Numb Encore. Uh-huh. It's okay. How did it come together? MTV decided to put together a smash-up series where they would find two people that were as opposite as could be. Right. And they brought them together. And the darn thing, much like Anthrax and and Public Enemy, the two of them. Lincoln Park and Jay-Z looked at each other and went, apparently we're different genres, but we ain't so far apart. Right. And they came up with this song, Numb Encore. All right, who's listening to us? Uh, that would be KPVL. Back in a minute here on Rock School. Coming out of the break, let me give you a couple more here that seem odd shoved together. Weezer and Lil Wayne 
had a song called Can't Stop Partying. Mm-hmm. Pretty straightforward. The song was written by Rivers Cuomo along with Jermaine Dupree. Dupree wrote the lyrics, gave them to Cuomo, stating that, you know, the rock and the hip-hop world are just basically the same. All we do is write about partying. The first person to pop into their mind was Lil Wayne, so they called him. And Lil and Wayne course- said... Yeah, of course sure. he said, yeah. Of course. I'll come in. You know, why not? Uh, Brad Paisley also did a song with LL Cool J. That seems to me a lot more odd mm-hmm. than Weezer and Lil Wayne. Yeah. The song was called Accidental Racist, and it did, I'm sure, what they wanted it to do. It caused controversy. I and mean, if you're going to talk about racism, you want people then talking about the song. Right. That that idea that you hear from people, we need to have this national discussion on racism. Well, okay, here it is. Here's a topic. Let's go. And then people go, oh, I don't know if we... It's, it's, it's uncomfortable. So what Brad Paisley and LL Cool J did was make a song that was uncomfortable. It talked about what, Southern pride, the Confederate flag. Paisley stated that he was watching the films Lincoln and Django Unchained and thought, I got to do something with this. I got to do something with this. Now the one we're going to play. It, it seemed like this should have worked. It seemed like this should have worked. Metallica did an EP with Lou Reed. Oh, boy. Lou Reed, hard guitars, the whole schmeal, and it's kind of the, the godfather of this. Because at the time when Metallica was out, when they did Kill Them All, mm-hmm. it was this marginalized music over here, this thrash metal. Mm-hmm. And, and Lou Reed was this marginalized music over here with, right? the, you know, with the banana on the front of the thing. And this should have worked. Absolutely should have worked. So on this EP, Lulu, when it finally came out, instead of Lou Reed singing or anything like that, what he did was speak about the German playwright Frank Wendenkind, and then Metallica put riffs behind it. Oh. It should have worked. Oh. But it, on, on paper, it was glorious. On paper, the Cleveland Browns should win a Super Bowl. Yes. In practice... Is Metallic and Lou Reed on rock I am a chorus of the voices that gather up the magnets set before me. I attract you and repel you. All right, coming into the last break, we're really late, so I got to do this pretty quick. Folks, I know you know more of these odd collaborations of music, but these are the ones I could find the backgrounds for. For example, I have no idea why Iggy Pop did a song with Kesha. You know, Iggy Pop was one of those that changed his thought process. Mm-hmm. He was this hard punk guy with the Stooges. Yeah. And then he's, you know, he's writing songs for David Bowie, you know, China Girl and all them. Hmm, and what then, happened And there? then he's doing a commercial. Yeah. Justin Bieber and Ludacris. That one to me always seemed financial. Yeah. Ludacris saw this kid 
and he decided to attach himself for a while to this rising, exploding YouTube star. Yep. yep. Yeah, I think that was the big one. Harry, uh, Herbie Hancock had a song with Trey Anastasia of the band Fish. And people were like, well, that's dumb. Well, it's not really, no. Uh, in 2005, Herbie Hancock put together an album called Possibilities. And he just aligned himself with other people like John Mayer, Christina Aguilera, Paul Simon, Sting, and Trey Anastasia. All right. Well, that's the reason okay. for it. Now, I would, if you'd have just told me about this and I didn't know the song, I would have gone, uh, I don't know. You know who Alicia Key is? Yes. This girl is on fire. It's uh-huh. Keys uh-huh. and Jack White, right? Right. For the 2008 James Bond film, Quantum of Solace, Another Way to Die, was the first time a duet was used for a Bond theme Wow. Song. You know who was supposed to be in the thing other than Alicia Keys? Uh, Amy Winehouse. Oh, no. Amy Winehouse. Oh, no. I don't know why, but Amy Winehouse and Jack White, I think, would have been a religious experience. I agree. But Alicia Keys, Jack White, when you listen to it, not bad. Not bad. But just imagine those lines being sung by Amy Winehouse. Mm. Oh, bite your thumb. That does it. If you can think of more collaborations, look up the look up the you know the reason why. That's that's the only reason I probably didn't list them. I couldn't find the reason why. I'm Joe Burns. You are. I'm Tammy Burns. Done. Class is dismissed. Tragedy.